Hello, and thank you for tuning into Answers from the Lab, where we share Mayo Clinic knowledge and advancements on the state of testing and science from laboratory leaders and the people who are making it happen behind the scenes. I'm Dr. Bobby Pritt, the Chair of the Division of Clinical Microbiology in the Department of Laboratory Medicine and Pathology at Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. With me today is Dr. Bill Maurice, the Chair of the Department of Laboratory Medicine and Pathology at Mayo Clinic and the President of Mayo Clinic Laboratories. This is our weekly discussion with Dr. Maurice in which we learn about updates in the field of laboratory medicine and pathology. Well, hi, Bill, welcome back. Yeah, it's good to be back. Yeah, well, we haven't spoken in a couple of weeks and there continues to be things going on. In fact, some pretty big news with President Biden's big COVID initiative. Yeah, enough time for me to actually grow facial hair. Yeah, there you go, It doesn't take that much time, but still (laughs) not. And for the president to make a big announcement regarding uh, COVID. Uh, Interestingly, I was on a group call last night with experts from across the country just talking about how with Delta, we're definitely in a new phase, almost like a a new pathogen in some respects. So I think a lot of what we heard is predicated on the challenges that we've seen with this most recent surge and with Delta. And that really led to the need for more strident action, even though I think that they've been contemplating this, but what they saw with Delta kind of pushed pushed them over the edge, the White House over the edge to say, okay, and the CDC to say, we need to be, be more proactive in terms of trying to control the pandemic. I agree, Bill, and I think it's clear with Delta, it is a bit different. We know the vaccines are still good at protecting us from severe disease with Delta, but it's just so transmissible. Yeah, so we'll include a link to President Biden's, what they call the path out of the pandemic on this podcast, but it's a six-pronged comprehensive national strategy. I'm sure most of our listeners have heard of this, but it really focuses, it has these six different prongs on vaccination, protecting through masking, and then increased testing. So there's an area that's really going to impact us in the laboratory. And then of course, some other aspects as well that will be important. I think the testing is something that we're all now seeing as a laboratory community, and we're starting to hear about shortages at point of care settings. So Part of this I was pleased to see is there's going to be some resources for more over-the-counter testing and some guarantees that reimbursement will occur for these over-the-counter tests. Think about the evolution of the pandemic. So, you know, in the spring, when we saw the increase in vaccination across the country, there was really a sense of relief. You know, the CDC backed away from masking guidelines, and we saw the test volumes really drop off. Mm -hmm. In some respects, probably more than they should have, even at the time there was concern. And now, of course, with Delta and the ability of Delta to clearly infect those who have been vaccinated with immune, and even if they don't get symptomatic that they can spread, maybe not for as long a window as an unvaccinated person, sort of this whole renewed focus on testing. And I think it's a right move. So it's not just about screening the unvaccinated. It's also just about keeping track even of vaccinated individuals that can potentially harbor the, the virus and other strains that might emerge. So just like with the vaccination movement, I think it will be multi-pronged. We've heard, as you mentioned, the point of care stuff and the rapid testing, which is clearly a focus, but also I think we'll see a renewed interest in understanding how to use the in-lab testing as well to help manage the pandemic. Yeah, so we as laboratory professionals are going to have to continue to think about this, and it's really going to stretch us a bit to think about how we're going to incorporate results coming in from over-the-counter tests, some which we'll receive, some which we will not, and how do we deal with that when you have your patients doing over-the-counter tests that may not get reported in their medical health record? So that's going to be interesting. 
it will be. I mean, there's lots of ramifications, right? Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of work in the early days of the pandemic. I was involved with the access to COVID tools accelerator effort from the Global Fund and uh, find in other global healthcare organizations and looking at how we could use diagnostics to help control the pandemic. And at that time, there was a real push to get rapid antigen tests out as a way to, to identify individuals who are positive. The challenge, of course, is the rapid antigen tests don't have quite the same performance characteristics as do the in-lab tests. So in, especially if the prevalence is low again, we'll have to be thinking about how we would confirm a positive because there'll be potential for false positives. If it's you know someone that has paid a lot of money to go to a venue and then they have a positive test, do, do we get a, do they need a confirmation? Mm-hmm. Lots of things. I think we really have to be willing to participate in the dialogue because it'll take our expertise about how these tests, what these tests can and can't do and what people should be doing with the results and how they should be confirmed because they're going to have more and more ramifications. Just look at the employer. If you have over 100 employees, you're either going to have to have people vaccinated or have a testing program. Well, that's mm-hmm. going to drive the productivity at work. So there's going to be a lot. All that's old is, is new again kind of thing in terms of the early days and talking about how to use testing. And I think that will come back. The other thing I think we'll see a lot of a focus on, excuse me, renewed focus, probably a better way to put it, is something you and I have talked about quite a bit. And that is the use of tests to determine who's been exposed to the virus or mm-hmm. had vaccinated and has a confident immune response. I mean, we know that higher antibody levels tend to correlate with protection, but that's probably not good enough to, for, to advise individuals about their risks. So I think that's the other piece of this going forward. And as people need boosters and all those sorts of things and understanding mm-hmm. it, that's an, not part of the presence plan, but something I think we really need to be thinking about as a, as a laboratory community. Well, and that's another part of President Biden's initiative is providing boosters and third doses for those who need it. And for the listeners, um, it's my understanding the terminology is that for immunocompromised patients, they get a third dose because it's just known that their weakened immune system needs a little bit more stimulus. So it's considered not a booster, but just part of the routine dose. But for the rest of us, it will likely be recommended at some point that we'll be getting boosters to prompt our immune system to re-stimulate it, kind of to keep it trained and ready to respond at a moment's notice. So part of President Biden's initiative is to ensure that there's going to be ready access to those boosters and those third doses as needed. Yeah. The reality is that we know that for those who are immunocompromised, that getting an additional third dose that has a really clear benefit, right? Johnson & Johnson is working on the same thing because a lot of the people that had the J&J vaccine are sort of like, what about us? Uh, J&J is working on an additional dose studying that as well. But for those who are immunocompromised, they get a really clear benefit of that third dose. People who are are not immunocompromised also get a benefit, probably more incremental. It's just just how the immune system works. Every time the immune system is challenged, the the B cells and T cells will get better. You'll continue to select for the most effective B cells and T cells in terms of finding the infection, and you'll continue to build a mucosal immunity as well. So it only stands to reason that the more you're challenged, the better that your immune response will be. I think that's where the dialogue will be very interesting because on the one hand, in this country, we're really, there's a focus on getting additional you know, boosters or a third dose to people, whereas on a global scale, there's concerns that really we should be getting out some of these vaccines to, to parts of the world where they haven't really done yeah, that much. Yeah, first dose. First dose, right? right. Exactly. 
So that'll be an interesting part of the dialogue here going forward. Yeah, and ideally that there would be enough vaccine for all of that to happen. Yep. Well, and of course we talked about this a couple of weeks ago when we were debunking our myths of vaccine myths, part two. I'm sure there'll be a part three and a part four. Uh, hopefully not, but we'll see. But one of the things that of course I've heard, uh, I'm sure you've heard is, well, why do we even need these additional doses? If the vaccines are any good, you wouldn't need this. But this is a regular part of being vaccinated. Right now we routinely give additional doses of some vaccines to immunocompromised patients and immunocompetent patients will commonly receive boosters. And one of the things that I like to use as an analogy for family and friends is, it's kind of like, you know, if you have a military force, you don't train them once and then just let them sit around and wait for their deployment, you train them periodically. And I kind of think of this as training your immune system. You just stimulate it from time to time. So boosters, we do that with all of our other vaccines or many of them, especially the childhood vaccine. Some of them you get four or five doses and that's normal. Yep. And I think the other thing that that will hopefully we'll continue to see is actually continued innovation on the vaccines themselves. So, I mean, that now has been bought up. The vaccines that are out there are also spike protein and that's great. But do we need to be working on, we meaning the pharmaceutical industry uh, needs to be working on like multivalent because many vaccines are multivalent. So they don't have just Mm -hmm. one part of the virus. They actually have multiple peptides from the virus, multiple multiple viral antigens. So you have a more complete immune response. So still the vaccine story is still unfolding, I think is probably the best way to think about it. I think it'll be an interesting uh, rest of 2021 because it's Mm -hmm. pretty, obviously pretty critical to get the vaccines out and get people vaccinated. Yeah, I I would predict something similar, Bill. I think that over time, especially annual doses that we get each year, we all pretty much think that we'll be getting COVID vaccines every year, just like flu vaccines. And they will probably be formulated to really be protective against whatever's circulating. So probably the next strain will be a bit more tweaked to be a bit more effective against Delta variant. As we know, it's, it's pretty effective right now, but it'll probably be even more effective against the Delta variant in future iterations. Yep, exactly. So yeah. what's important is do what use the tools that we have right now mm-hmm. to get through this. Um, thankfully, we're, get, we, we're a lot better at treating patients who get sick with COVID, even those who are vaccinated, you know, the tools that we have, we know how to use them better, the monoclonal antibodies. We continue to work on things like uh, hyperimmune globulin, so concentrated convalescent plasma, which can be given either prophylactically or as a single dose, so more outpatient as opposed to inpatient therapy. So lots will continue to happen over the year here so that we can really get this, get this managed. I think that the idea that we're going to get quote back to normal is, I, I don't know that that's something that we should put out there. It's really about getting this managed so we can get back to our lives. Yeah, getting into the control phase, out of the pandemic phase. Exactly. Well, testing will play a large role in that for all of our listeners that have a background in laboratory medicine. I'm sure we'll be talking about that in the future. Even in our labs here, we've already started redeploying people to our testing labs for COVID and and testing is starting to go back up again. And we'll also include a link in uh, the information with our podcast for the COVID data tracker by the CDC. And of course, if you look at that, you can see that they're predicting cases are going to go up. We have kids going back to school. We have the holidays. We have the state fairs. So we'll be talking about testing for a while, I'm sure. Yeah, I think you're right. All right, Belle. Well, we'll uh, we'll keep talking about this. Meanwhile, have a great week and I'll talk to you next time. Sounds good. Uh, Look forward to it as always. Great.
Thank you so much for tuning in to Answers from the Lab. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and don't forget to tune in every Thursday and every other Tuesday.